Hello, this is the first episode of my brand new podcast, Sipping the Tea with Shay. I am a student at Temple University who has dreams and aspirations of becoming a person who inspires people to recognize their own potential. Besides the cheesy intro, I truly do want to help people and hope that they recognize their self-worth by listening to the topics that are brought during conversation. Today with me, I have a guest who is my co-worker, and we're going to discuss the issues surrounding the transition to virtual learning due to the pandemic and its impact on the children's development over some tea. Can you please introduce yourself, your name, your Your occupation, highest level of education, and a brief description of your experience as an educator? My name is Lisa Cortez. I'm currently a lead teacher for pre-K counts at Estepa Daycare. I have a master's degree in elementary education, K-8. Uh, I currently hold a Pennsylvania certification pre-K-4. to four, And um, I've taught second grade, fifth grade, and now I'm doing pre-K for the last three years. Was it difficult for you to do that switch from teaching elementary school to the population that we're working with now? So that being three to four and a little bit of five-year-olds depending if they're ready to go to kindergarten or not. It was really difficult going from fifth grade to pre-k. <laughs> I honestly did not think that I could do it <laughs> because in the beginning I was like oh my goodness what am I getting myself into because it's completely different you know in fifth grade you have kids at a desk and they're sitting there and you know They don't always listen, but for the most part, they do. And with three, four, and five-year-olds, there are a lot of unexpected things that occur throughout a day on a daily basis. They, you know, but as I did it, I fell in love with it. And now I I can't imagine not teaching the little ones. There was a good year, year and a half adjustment for me. Mm -hmm. But now I think that they they do a lot for me personally. Mm -hmm. Keep me younger. (laughs) you know they are brutally honest in a in a loving fashion and now i can't imagine being apart from them like Mm. this whole corona thing has me going crazy because i miss them Mm -hmm. yeah i also seen like how much do you think your classroom is um diverse i guess i have 16 uh dll students which are dual language learners i have 16 in my classroom Mm -hmm. and then i have you know, three IEPs. All right. Before we get into the discussion, I would like to know if you know what recreational therapy is. Um, no, actually. Recreational therapy is a type of therapy where professionals help individuals improve the quality of life holistically by having them participate in activities based on their leisure interests to address their needs, therefore preparing the clients with the necessary tools and resources to continue engaging in a healthy lifestyle through their leisure repertoire. Yeah, that's the, like, dumbed-down version. Because <laughs> it's like, again, it, rec therapy is like a big, um, broad, vague, I think, sometimes topic to explain. I guess maybe recreational is how they interact, how to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's targeting again targeting the whole person not just like physical uh-huh. we're targeting physical social uh mental emotional spiritual all of that huh. interesting yeah oh my god something's burning <gasps> mom's cooking something i don't know what it is i hope they have <laughs> <laughs> 
live in Charleston. If I hear the fire alarms, get out the back door. <laughs> I actually live in a cellar, so I had to push the heavy door. <laughs> It'll be your workout since you can't work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this pandemic is killing my muscles. Oh, they're making my muscles smaller. <laughs> So, um, anyway, prior to the pandemic, how much play was incorporated in your teaching schedule, do you believe? I would think that 75% was play. Mm -hmm. And can you give me any examples? Uh, Sure. For at least an hour a day, uh, children get to choose centers. They get to go uh, play, but at the same time, they can learn during this time. So they, you know, they get to choose their activity, but it's, it's, it's very free. It could be Play-Doh. It could be dramatic play center. It could be the block area. It's whatever the interests them. Okay. Um, and how would you, um, I have a lot of editing out. <laughs> um, what I'm trying to say is, um, how was their behavior prior to um, prior to the pandemic? Well, prior to the pandemic, they would come in and they would follow our our basic routine. Mm-hmm. You know, coming in, washing their hands, then having snack, then going to to circle. So it was it was normal for them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just followed the everyday thing. And now that there's the pandemic, they're home. They're not there may be no structured routine mm-hmm. there. You know, they may not be going outside and playing mm-hmm. or doing gross motor skills like we would do in the classroom every but day. Before have you tried to like make games out of the daily, out of the daily routine? Like um, for instance, like put lining up in pat, like in patterns, like it'd be like boy, girl, boy, girl, or anything like that. Well, sometimes. Sure. Sometimes we would do things like that. Um, you know, again, it's very, it's, uh, yeah, everything we do is with a purpose, but it's, we try to make it fun, mm-hmm. you know? So even like getting, going to centers, you know, it would be a game. Each day would be different, you know, mm-hmm. getting their tags. Maybe anybody that has a red shirt, go get your tag or whoever has a name that begins with the uh, sound, you know, yeah, there's always kind of like fun little things that we would always do. Mhm. Yeah, I think I've noticed that a lot in your classroom when um when I was working with you before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And at this age, you get to see the progress daily like I do now. Mm-hmm. Where I see, "Oh my goodness, I taught them that." Mm-hmm. Or, "Wow, in the beginning of the year, they're like this and now look how far they've come." Mhm. It, it just amazes me. Yeah. Yeah, I actually weird. I had a dream about like um, one of our childrens, and it was it was just so weird. I'm like, what? Why are you here? <laughs> I miss them so much. I miss their hugs, their little tiny fingers. Exactly. You you become. I became dependent on them, just as much as they're very dependent on me. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh. So. Because of the pandemic, the learning education system is shifting to a virtual learning. And however, it hasn't been a concern for educators being underprepared for this change. And other um, you know, other concerns have been um, 
surfacing. Do you think some of the children would have a delay in development because of it? Do you think? I I, I definitely think that there is a a delay. Not saying that they can't overcome it, mm-hmm. but like my children that were speaking, learning to speak English. You know, now they're not. Every day they come to us, and we inundate them with the English language. Well, now they're they're going back to not constantly hearing the English language. Mm-hmm. And then I have, you know, three IEPs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there there's a those kids that don't have that have IEPs aren't getting their therapy now. So I am afraid that some of those kids will lose what we taught them. Mm-hmm. So I do think that. For some, although I do believe that they probably can catch up, it, it is definitely a fear that they're not going to retain what they were taught, you know, side factor to not being in the classroom. And then that doesn't even touch the topic of can all kids have a computer? Do they all have access to the Internet? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, parents, some of my parents may be using only a cell phone because they don't have a computer at home. Yeah. You know, to view our, our, the way we communicate with our parents. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah. I wanted to get your feelings and concerns about hearing the news about this, um, shift, uh, to virtual learning. For the age group that I teach, Mm -hmm. it, it scares me. For the short term, yes, we are making do, and and I'm hoping that uh, my parents are interacting with their kids. I'm trying to guide the parents in in teaching them how to teach their kids. You know, giving them ideas. Like today, we did um, a kind of like a sorting activity and a tallying chart, mm-hmm. and I showed the parents how to set it up, and and I walked the kids through what they had to do, and then it was a counting activity. I try to stress to the parents. And no matter what you do, you know, the kids will, will learn Mm -hmm. younger ones really rely on adults. And when you think about it, they lost, you know, a good portion of their year. Mm -hmm. It's the way our world is going. We can't stop it. We better go with it. But we also have to figure out how to incorporate it so that it doesn't hinder us, but only helps us. Mm -hmm. But when we leave this and go back into what, you know, our norm or whatever our norm is. So you don't think the one-on-one structure with the parents is a bad idea? It's not that it's a bad idea, but in today's society, how many parents work? How many parents are there throughout the day? Are these kids going to have to learn at six, seven o'clock at night? Because that's when they're able to do it. Mm. Um. How do you think your students are coping with the pandemic regarding the development? Like, have you gotten any notifications or anything from their students? I have. Um, We use a um, program called Dojo, and it's great because I can send messages out, and then they can send messages back to me. And I have had uh, quite a bit of contact with some of my children. I would probably say at least 50%, if not maybe a little bit higher than that, um, are responding or you know at least watching like the reading of the books you can you can tell which parents have done it and which parents haven't so it's to me that's a definitely a plus sign that they seem to be reading and and uh helping 
with educating their kids at home. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, um, as a parent, how are you handling the change for your own children? Well, that's a little bit harder because I have older children. Mm-hmm. They're kind of self-reliant in that they can do it themselves. Mm-hmm. But I have a senior in the house. And as you know, no prom, no graduation. So it's hard here. It is definitely hard here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing with the emotions of that, not necessarily the schoolwork. The schoolwork she can handle on herself, mm-hmm. but dealing with the emotions of not seeing her friends and, you know, you know what it's like <laughs> and you know you're older and you don't get to see your friends and it stinks yeah it's a very very like sometimes i feel like i'm on house arrest that, oh i know i feel like i'm on house arrest <laughs> <laughs> stuck in a tiny apartment yes <laughs> with just what tv and yeah, that's all there is, and TV and the and the internet. Thank God we have the internet. I know. Just imagine what we what we would be doing. Well, technically, I would say that most of the kids in the neighborhood are like playing outside more. Actually, like I've seen people play basketball. Well, I, I would say the the kids in the complex. I do see them out more. Mm-hmm. Which does concern me a little because it's supposed to be learning. Yes, they were getting outside. Yes, they were running around, but. They weren't wearing masks. They're semi-unsupervised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do see some of those kids around my neighborhood. <laughs> you know, I mean, not that they were doing anything bad. They were just they were just playing, but they weren't they weren't playing. You know, the way we should be playing right at this time. You don't you don't think that's playing? I'm just curious. No, they, no, no, they were playing, but right now we're supposed to be keeping distance. You know, they're not from the same household. They're from different households playing with, um, but at this point in time, they, they shouldn't be. Yeah, I understand that, like, the social distancing and all that and, like, how, like, within the house, you don't know what kind of contact they've been in. Right. Yeah. But, like, about them not learning, you think that's well, not well, because they're out from early in the morning till in the afternoon. So when are they learning? When, you know, what, they're older children. They're not younger. Mm-hmm. If they were younger, yeah, they're playing, they're learning. And yes, to an extent, I guess they are learning to play. You know, they're playing balls, so they're, they're cooperating and they're doing that kind of stuff. But older children need some kind of education. They can't just play their whole life. But it is nice to see kids outside playing again. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's great when the kids can get out and play ball and, and do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just meant right now, because what we were talking about, it, I felt it like maybe them being inside and, and being on the computer would be a safer yeah. space for them. Because especially now, there's so, many, so much technology that they can interconnect with their friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and talk to them. I know the kids in the aftercare program, they they literally play together mm-hmm. virtually. They're in different houses. And I know it's not like the ideal and it's not something that I would say I would want for them. But at this time during this event, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, how would you... Like, how would you encourage that kind of play safely within your um, students' homes? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Well, like um, we send video, I, I send videos and, and helpful hints. And I'm always saying like, it's important for them to get outside. So no matter what you do, go outside, just be safe. If you have a sibling, go out and play with your sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvia sent me a video the other day where she was riding her scooter just in her driveway, but it was getting her out and moving and, and moving the muscles. Cause the more muscles you move, it does ignite your brain activity. Mm-hmm. And you know, they have like, even to move in the house, to, to play in the house, Mm-hmm. to get moving we have little songs and we send them reminders daily you know get out do stuff today i did an activity outside go out and look at your shadow mm-hmm. you know move see what your shadow can do what can you do with your shadow mm-hmm. yeah um i also when i was looking at other articles i guess related to the um um education system having to um transfer to virtual learning is that like um Educators are being forbidden to enforce remote instruction because the material might not be accessible to all the students. So therefore, educators and parents are concerned about their children's development. Um, Absolutely. And and it should be a concern. Yeah. I've, like, noticed a lot of the parents um, talking about, like, oh, we need you guys to stay open because, you know, one, they parents have lives, and two, they... um, they just, um, their children need somewhere to go to be safe. Um, but as an educator, what do you, what are you doing now for your students? Or- well, we're, I'm doing mini lessons. Unfortunately, the only way to communicate with our kids is through the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, via the internet. So I rely on my parents to sit down and, and show them the videos, but we are, we're sending them, we're reading books. I'm doing mini lessons. And do I expect them to be, um, on there all the time now because they are little, their attention spans are not great. So I'm also helping to guide the parents in using, um, what they have at home, taking, you know, you can cook with your kid and turn it into a lesson without the kid actually knowing it's a lesson. You can, you know, different things, read with your kid every day, let them draw a picture, talk about the picture. So I'm trying to encourage parents to do different things that at home so it doesn't feel like oh my god I got to teach my kid and and I can't do this you know I'm not a teacher well no you can and hopefully I'm I'm their guide that's mm-hmm. what I'm hoping yeah not only in the not only in, uh, in work but like in other areas too like sometimes I will see it like I guess like somewhat eavesdropping you would say but like <laughs> it's a big concern about <laughs> some parents you know hearing that that their school is kind of, the online teaching is kind of hard. Well, I've been reading different things, like just like you said, on Facebook or other um, media sources. And the parents are like, this is not my job, but it is your job. You are a parent. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that any of us expected. I'd much rather be at work, but Mm -hmm. I can't be. So, you know, and I think for my parents, particularly, there is a language barrier. And I think that also is a concern for my parents because they don't speak the language. So I try to do things that they'll understand also. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, let's say that we didn't have the internet um, and like, you know, the, the tech technological advances that we have today, how mm-hmm. would remote play to the parents because of now they are taking the main role of an educator 
Well, I think we'd have to some find a, a way to communicate. And I guess that would be either in a form of like some kind of packet or booklet and, and, and helping them to guide. Okay. Well, you know, playing with the blocks is a learning activity. These are different activities you could do with block play. If you have blocks mm-hmm. or, you know, drawing a picture and telling a story that all goes with language arts and, and, um, creating a story. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it also works with your, you know, your fine motor skills, mm-hmm. you know, go ride a bike, you know, mm-hmm. go kick a ball, go have a catch, go for a walk. Look what's in nature. Talk about it. I mean, the biggest advantage for our age is that talking, just talk, 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 introduce mm-hmm. vocabulary. And it doesn't matter if it's in the English language or their own language, just building that, that spoken vocabulary. Mm-hmm. and getting them to understand different things. That's important too. And I think that's a way that if we didn't have technology, that we could reach out to the parents, send them a note. This is how we can do things, you know, having them be able to contact us somehow. Are there any other resources that you're providing rather than just like, you know, reading the books or anything like that? Yeah, we provide them with a, um, a letter daily, which comes from the curriculum that mm-hmm. we use. And it gives them ideas and things to talk about. We provide them with websites that they can go to to look for different resources. We also explain to them like setting a routine for the kids and it it would make your day go smoother. Also, we put out there that if they needed materials, Mm -hmm. uh, be it paper, scissors, because some of our parents may not be able to afford it. To contact us privately and we'll figure out a way, be it mailing it, mm-hmm. dropping it off on their doorstep, keeping that social distance going, but yet making sure they have what they need or this transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's also um, the concern too about holding the children accountable. So, um, so therefore, like they're able to be prepared for the next level of their development. And we think as a whole, we're going to have to look at, okay, we know that these kids are missing half a year. Mm -hmm. So when they come back next year, we're not going to be able to use the same curriculum because they're not going to have gotten at all that knowledge. So how are we going to alter it? How are we going to pick up and how these are all things that have to be thought about before going on to the next year? Yes, you're going to pass these kids. There's no, you know, it's already been stated that that's what's going to happen. So how are we going to adjust what we do next year? to accommodate what we weren't able to do this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what the article was talking about, like how, um, how it is that like the structured teaching style that was done in person is kind of hard to apply it to online learning um, because the per- the teacher or the educator is not there in front of the student. Like, again, like you said, attention span and, you know, it's not there. Like right. a hands-on thing. I think that's what mostly some children are more able to do, to, you know, understand the material. Right. Yeah. How do you think they will interact in the classroom after the, after the pandemic, do you think? Well, I think the way we do things in general is going to change. I'm not really sure. You know, I know I've read articles where handshakes are out, you know, how we come in physical contact with the kid that may all change. Um, teaching the kids how to, to, to uh, access things online. I have a feeling it's going to become more prevalent. 
in a lot of schools, like, you know, older, especially high schools, they get the Chromebooks, they get the, the iPads in certain schools. And that's, but I think you're going to start to find all that kind of stuff, maybe at the younger level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, wrong or indifferent. I'm not really sure how I feel about it, but I think that's the way you're going to go. So that if something happens like this again, they'll be better equipped on dealing with it. Yeah. I think that's what I've also read about, like how, yeah, like I said previously, um, teachers were not prepared for this at all. Like they don't know how, how to, like, I know there's some online schools and so like they're, they know how to do it, but like the people who are more hands-on, they were not prepared at all. We'll, we'll say, okay, this is how you have to present it. And you can't present it any other way. And, and that's not how children learn. Not all children learn the same. And you should be allowed or give that teacher a little bit more control in, in how to get that uh, concept across. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, I've, um, I've met with, from, with some professors, like, how, like, this is, this, this house should, this, 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 and this should be. And, like, it's, to me, as you get older, it becomes more and more structured. And so mm-hmm. that's why we lose a lot of time for play. Um, right. Even though as we get older, I feel that like play should be more incorporated into what we do. I agree. You should always have fun. But I think when you get older, you know how to play to a, to a degree. Are you sure about that? <laughs> you took, remember, you took the luminosity thing. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but that's not, to me, that's not playing. And maybe I'm looking at the word playing incorrectly. So to me, playing, I mean, I, I do, I play virtual games. I play uh, Sudoku. Like I try to keep my mind going, mm-hmm. but I don't consider that play. You don't consider that play? No, not really. I don't think I do. I, I don't think I do. I think, I think I, I mean, yes, it, it's, I guess I look at it as my leisure activity, a way for my brain not to be working, even mm-hmm. though it is working, but it's like fun for me, not, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. That's what I'm learning, interesting enough, that, <laughs> is that we can't stop. See, when we think of play, we think of, you know, little kids exploring um, the world through their senses, like there are no way through the world. But what I'm learning is that as we get older, we lose those. So that's why if we had like a different definition of play for older people, I think that could have, you know, because again, you play, you engaging in Sudoku puzzles, um, video games, that is another form of play. It's just, I, I guess it is. I just don't, I never really looked at it that way. I kind of looked at it as, this is my relaxing time. Like, I'm just going to sit by and, you know, I find it relaxing to try to figure out Sudoku or, or to even do a puzzle or something. And yes, I know puzzle, puzzle is play, but to me, I didn't look at it as an adult. I looked at it as more of my downtime, my, my time to not have to constantly be on thinking. No, you're right. I do think of play as with the kids in school, like playing with Play-Doh or 
you know, playing in a dramatic play center or blocks. And I didn't really think about it as play. But like, if you think about leisure and play are like similar, we we engage in leisure to um, not only to get away from reality, but to also... I guess rela- uh, no, that's not the right word. That's not the right word. Um, but like, we're also engaging our mind as kids engage in play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you believe that people should never stop playing? Yeah, I guess. That's what I've been telling you. Yeah, based on yeah, because it keeps you going. It keeps you thinking. You you just don't sit down and do nothing you you you're you're constantly um engaging your brain mm-hmm. so yeah place fun I, I would rather do a sudoku than sit here and do nothing yeah and interesting enough um from what you're talking about and what you told me in the um past conversations is that that's what we do that's what recreational therapists do we, okay Keep our we keep our clients stimulated in a way to prevent other, I mean their diagnosis from, you know, getting the best of them and you know just mm-hmm. keep them active in the and live a healthy your lifestyle, because there's a lot of research um, stating that um, people with these diagnoses like dementia, Alzheimer's, um, obesity, you know, all those kind of diagnoses, there mm-hmm. are very like um, comorbidities. Mm-hmm. that coexists with the diagnosis. So, like, that's what we try to help them to make themselves feel better as well as, you know, I guess slow either the progression of the diagnosis or just help them increase their engagement in play mm-hmm. and relearn that. I'm constantly learning. I always try to make myself better. I always try to be a, a better human and a, and a better teacher. So I just think that as educators, we have to take this experience that we're going through now mm-hmm. and try to learn from it. Mm-hmm. You know, where did we fail? Where can we go forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, like, how can you take this understanding of play and remote with the remote activities that you're doing now and bring it back into the classroom setting? For for a more well-rounded experience to make it sure it's not like the children have lost, you know, let's say X amount of months of learning. You think? Well, we we could take what what I um hmm. I guess we'd have to see what where the kids are at when they come back, mm-hmm. and then talk. You know, constantly talk about because I do think that if anything, there's going to be mo- more emotional support that they're going to need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because we don't, we don't know if any of these kids have lost somebody mm-hmm. or if a parent's been sick. So I think that may be more of an emotional mm-hmm. and, and then, and we can deal with that through play, understanding, you know, what's been going on in the kids' lives for the last couple months. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Leisure time, play, or however you want to define it, is important to acknowledge and be aware of because it's how we keep ourselves active for our bodies and minds, no matter what the age. Not only is it healthy for our cognitive functioning, but healthy overall, which can impact the aging process and possibly our longevity. 
Also, this project is for the Leisure Ed course, which is part of Temple University's Recreational Therapy Program. Thank you.